The meeting will now begin. Everyone except for participants will remain on mute to minimize background noise. My name is Nick P and I'm an alcoholic. This is an open meeting of the Atlantic group of Alcoholics Anonymous and all are welcome to attend. In any case, we hope that what you learn here may be helpful to your recovery and or understanding. Tonight is an anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrants. Our main speaker tonight is Sally C. Got it. Hi, I'm Sally, and I'm an alcoholic. I got sober April 23rd, 2005, and uh, I have a sponsor, Mari G, and I have a home group, Atlantic Group. I am so grateful to be here tonight, and I'm so grateful for Atlantic Group. I, uh, yeah, I also sponsor women, and I try to do service, and I try to stay as much as I can in the middle of AA, and I hang my life on these 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, because they saved my life, along with a connection to a higher power, a higher power of my understanding that you all in AA led me to. And for that, I'm also really grateful. Deborah, thank you so much for asking me to speak and share my story tonight. I can't afford not to speak. I can't afford to forget my story, even in the best of times. And I can't afford not to share my story in hopes that it would help one alcoholic when I got here, I was 54 years old, and I was a hopeless drunk. I mean a hopeless drunk, and everyone had given up on me. I had been drinking for over 35 years, and that's not the woman that's speaking tonight, gratefully. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I try to live with dignity and grace. Not all the time. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> But I try to live a life of dignity and grace based on our spiritual principles. And I live a peaceful life, pretty simple and, um, and useful and purposeful today, which was not at all the case when I came in. Um, so thank you for that, Alcoholics Anonymous and God. Before I tell my story, I'd like to take one second to just reach out to the newcomer who might be out there and say welcome, to reach out to the person who maybe has one day and one meeting and say welcome, and also to reach out to the person who may be sitting there having a drink while watching this meeting. Um, I would suggest to you what was suggested to me in the beginning, which is to stuff, take the cotton out of my ears and stuff it in my mouth. And actually what that meant to me was to be still and listen. If you're drinking, take a risk. Push the drink aside, throw it down the drain, do anything you can to get away from that for this moment. And please share in my story the magic, the mystery, I should say, not magic, but mystery of AA and the healing of AA happens when one alcoholic tells another his story. Our stories will not be alike, maybe. Sometimes you will hear your story, you'll be amazed. But the facts of my story may be different from yours. What I ask you to do is to listen for the feelings, to ID with the feelings, to laugh with me, to cry with me when I tell my story, 
because that's the little crack of sunlight that's coming through. You're identifying with another alcoholic. And like I said, I, um, I drank for a long time. So uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of pain and a lot of despair that I found I had to leave behind when I made the decision to stop drinking. I did it. And I know that you all can do it as well. And we welcome you tonight and welcome all of the people who have celebrated us, or are celebrating us alcoholics and who have supported us through the years. Um, my first drink was actually, uh, was actually given to me by my mom. It was given to me for stomach cramps when I was 12 or 13 years old. And, uh, and it worked. It was warm. It was delicious. It went down. It had been given with love from my mom, who was not, by the way, a drinker at all. She was just trying to help me. And it felt amazing. And I got to teach school and not be responsible. And I followed that feeling for years, drinking. I looked for that feeling in a bottle. I looked for that relief. I looked for that solution. The solution to my pain happened that day, and I really, really loved the effect of alcohol because I was a crazy, driven young girl, and the relief that it gave me was, as I said, something I looked for for the rest of my life, and I didn't know it. I absolutely didn't know it. Alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It was a great opening act for, for an alcoholic was that first drink. But I didn't go ahead and drink tons until I left town because I still had parts of me that was the little girl with a big dream. And I was willing to care what other people thought. I was willing to care how my family looked in town. I still cared about all of those things. And so it was when I went to college that I really started drinking a lot. And I was so happy to party. I loved to party. The alcoholics love to party. And I did. I loved the effect of alcohol. I drank. I went into blackouts. And I loved it. I could drink the guys under the table, and I loved that. But what was happening subtly was I got in on a full scholarship, and I started missing classes. Alcohol already started to be more important than the things that I valued before. I didn't know it. I didn't see it. No one told me when I was in my 20s that blackouts are a symptom of alcoholism. No one told me that. I wish they had, but they didn't, and I didn't know it, and I was doing what everyone else was doing, and I was getting praise for that, and I would wake up on those horrible mornings going, what have I done? Even in my 20s, and people would say, oh my God, you were so funny. You were so funny, and... Yeah, I went with that. It didn't occur to me that maybe it wasn't a good idea to wander around the world not knowing what I was doing. Never occurred to me. It occurred to me that it was fun, that I was fitting in. And uh, that was really important to me because I was just desperately self-conscious all of my life, neurotically self-conscious. And I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. I even went back when I was in college. I went back to my little town in, in Massachusetts and partied there and drank there with friends from high school just to prove that I could do it. And I ended up flat out in someone's yard 
so embarrassing. Didn't know where I was. Woke up the next morning flat out in someone's yard by myself, not knowing whose yard it was. And there I was. Uh, what part of that made any sense? That's the insanity of alcohol. Why would I want to do that again? Why would anyone want to do that again? And yet there's this grip that alcohol has on us, has on our soul. And uh, yeah, I went with it. I went into my 30s. I was still drinking. The consequences were minimal. I had made my way to Broadway. I was very happy in my in my career in my 20s. Um, but, you know, when you're traveling around and doing shows, what is there to do when you finish a show in Pocatello, Idaho? But drink. And at least that's the only thing I could think of to do. It was a release. I deserved it. I was becoming a reward drinker very, very slowly. Alcoholism, my story of alcoholism is denial and progression. Denial and progression. Because I was still getting things I wanted. And uh, I couldn't see any connection to the things that I was letting go. Like the fact that I was starting to sneak, that I was over drinking, that I was waking up going, oh my God, am I going to be able to do my show tonight? I don't know. Because I was hungover. Um, I had a tremendous worth ethic, so I had a certain amount of success. And as I said, as I went into my 30s, I, uh, I was starting to have consequences, but they were minimal. And I had married the college boyfriend. I had two beautiful girls. I loved being a mom, absolutely loved it. And it's a lot. And I thought, well, you know, once everybody's in bed, I can drink. And that's exactly what I did. In my 30s, I started to feel that lack of, that lack of control with drinking. I was always trying to switch drinks. I was, it's right out of the chapter of our big book. There's a chapter in our big book, more about alcoholism. I tried everything to prove that I could drink normally because I love to party. But there were so many red flags so early um, passing out and being in places where you don't, you wake up and you don't know where you are makes absolutely no sense. But alcohol, the need for alcohol, the need to feel that what I was chasing, to feel whole, I found in a bottle, sadly. And um, I would say in my 30s, probably by my late 30s, I had already crossed that invisible line uh, that we call in Alcoholics Anonymous, an invisible line where you go to the other side of not just wanting a drink, but needing a drink, needing a drink to live day to day. And it's not a conscious move, usually. It just happens. It's why we call it a disease. Cunning, baffling, and powerful. Thank you, Ryan. Um, so there I am, and I'm trying to sort of lead a double life because I love my family. I love my husband. But now by my 40s, he's traveling a lot. I have a lot of responsibility with my children. I am drinking more than ever. I'm starting to sneak those little bottles into places without telling anyone. I'm starting to wake up more and more frequently with that cold, dead feeling of, oh my God, where am I? And what have I done? I'm starting to feel by my 40s, mid 40s, really a lot of, a lot of just 
chaos in my family and in my life. I'm still trying to lead a double life and show up for what I need to, but my family within its little family is experiencing this chaos. My husband is is looking at me and going, you're disgusting, you're a disgusting alcoholic. And yet everyone loved me enough to sort of let me let me try one more time. My kids are begging me, and I've always talked about this because it's heartbreaking. My kids are begging me not to drink at their birthdays. And uh, I say, okay, I promise I won't. I won't embarrass you in front of your friends. I think you guys know the end of that story. I meant it, I meant it with all my heart because I love my family. They love me, but love cannot cure alcoholism. It can't. All the love in the world, it, it, it becomes almost an enabler to allow you space to drink more, to, to have false faith in, in an alcoholic who says, I'm going to stop. And I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, my goodness. By the time I got here, I was, as I said, I was 54 years old. I was shaking. I was teeny tiny, rail thin. I had experienced so much shame and demoralization so many times I had embarrassed myself I had hurt other people my best friend her daughter needed me she broke both wrists and all she did is she called me up and she told me and needed me to help her I was incapable of remembering those things with a best friend I couldn't I wanted to, I meant to, I just couldn't remember. And half the time, people did not know that I was speaking to them either in a blackout or drunk. And so the effects of that are are huge. We all have those heartbreaking stories where we hurt the people around them. And I was going, well, I'm not really hurting anyone. I couldn't really see the selfish aspect. I was just scared. I had tremendous anxiety attacks. I couldn't function. By the end, I was living between my bathroom and my bedroom, and no one knew what to do with me. It was um, it was not what I intended for my life. It was not what I wanted. It was a power greater than me that had taken over. It was my first step. We admitted we a power greater than ourselves. We admitted that, that alcohol was a power greater than ourselves. We admitted that our lives were in chaos, and mine was. However, gratefully, my story, the rest of my story goes like this. I was plopped into rehab, and uh, there was AA. And what I heard was that I wasn't the bad person that I thought that I was. Sorry, checking my time. Uh, I heard that I had a disease and I had never, I had never heard that before. Um, people had suggested, had suggested to me that I needed electroshock therapy. They said I would have no life, um, unless I did that because I was beyond him. I had been passed around to many, many doctors before I made it to rehab. And it was there that AA said, you can do this. You guys said to me to sit in a meeting and listen. Be still and listen. You will hear from another alcoholic 
what it feels like, what you feel like, this desperate feeling of wanting, knowing that I was accomplishing things and always feeling so tiny inside and always wanting more. If I was happy, I wanted to be more happy. If I was sad, I wanted to be more sad. I could not negotiate through life without drinking. It was a never-ending battle. And I was told that this way out was about listening and about completely changing how I lived and not being afraid to do that. Um, and I started to pray. I prayed to a God of my understanding that I did not understand. I prayed to a group of drunks. I prayed, I prayed to you guys and I prayed for good orderly direction. I didn't know what that was. My life had become utter chaos. And I prayed that I could do this. And I really wanted to do this. But on a, probably day two or three, and I was sitting with a counselor saying, I, I don't know, I, I just don't have anything in common with that 18-year-old. So I have to listen to his story. What I discovered is that, yes, I do. The mystery of Alcoholics Anonymous is one alcoholic connecting to another. I heard my feelings. I heard my incredible, incredible demoralization. I heard someone say, you can be a mom. You can, you can, you can go back and you can do that. The one thing you can't do is you can't take that first drink. And I heard it and I went back to New York and I listened to the direction I had been given, which was drop your suitcase, celebrate with your family. They love you. Although I will tell you, they had misgivings about letting me back into their life. As much as they wanted me, they knew what they had experienced over many, many years of back and forth and back and forth and the denial and the progression of my disease of alcoholism, which they didn't understand. Um, so there I was, and I went to a meeting immediately. I didn't even dare come back to New York without a sponsor. I got my sponsor in rehab. Let me see. I'm not getting any messages about time, but uh, let's see. Okay. So um, I had got a sponsor in rehab, and so I already had a sponsor here in New York when I came back, and we began working. And she would look at me, and she would go, can you just smile? And I would be like, I would just try to fake it till I could make it. And I remember people who initially saw me at my first meetings in New York came back to me years later and said, we were afraid to talk to you because you looked like you were in shock. And what I got was nothing but love from Alcoholics Anonymous. My sponsor loved me until I could love myself. And she read the book with me and she took me through the steps. She said to me, what would be the point of you being in a 12-step program and not going through the 12 steps? Why do you think you could possibly cure or relieve this pain with your own mind, which is very, very not well right now? Um, it's weller today, but <laughs> I think, I think uh, I'll always be a bit crazy. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I also learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous, that I could live in peace, that I could give something back to, to the world, that I could learn to, to pray and meditate. A huge part of my program is that. 
can't figure out. I think I'm almost out of time. Ryan, I'm not. Oops, I'm no, not hearing them. No, you have uh, about five and a half minutes left. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so, yeah, everyone said pray, meditate. And I'm like, okay. And like I said, I had started to pray in, in rehab, and I embraced that. We this process of doing the work for if especially if you're new it is a linear process one step is sort of a spiritual step to the nub to the next and yet you will always hear and i can tell you that the praying and the meditating from the very beginning helped me tremendously to find peace to be able to be still and listen to to know that when i went into a meeting of alcoholics anonymous I was home. I was with people who understood me and and that I could actually share with the person next to me if I had two days and they had one day and I could help them. I could reach out my hand and help them. And, and it's been my journey, my recovery. As I said, it was a lot of years of drinking. I was not at all able to even read a page of the big book when I came in. And that's not me today. I also as a side note, was taking about 26 pills a day when I hit rehab. So, uh, and given some of that for recovery, it took me a long time. But today I can tell you that I have lived for, for over 15 years now, one day at a time without the need to take a drink. And it is a miracle. We speak the language of the heart here. We do, and what 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 speak, what you hear, what comes from the heart, reaches the heart. So, like I said, though my story may be different, um, there are many of you celebrating tonight, and I'm so excited for that because all you need to do is trust to trust that. You can do this too, one day at a time, and that the best, best, best parts of your life are ahead. I am a mom today. I'm a grandmom today. I spent the afternoon being responsible for a child and going out for ice cream. Um, I, when I sponsor women, I see the light go on in their eyes. And I'm forever grateful for that. I don't know that I could have made it through this year. There have been many challenges. I do not in any way want to say this was an easy year. We all had huge, huge challenges. I had some health challenges too. And I find that AA is always there. God is always there. The God of my understanding. And everyone recovery looks different but it's all amazing. It's all healing. This is a program of healing. And we don't say that we can heal the world, but one alcoholic at a time, when I see the ripples, when I see the ripples of a simple act in this program, it is phenomenal. When, if you're new, and I go back to you newcomers again, you will see that you will help one person and they will help another and they will help another. And my experience as I shared was no one else could help me. 
I needed an Alcoholics. I needed Alcoholics Anonymous and its structure. Thank you for my sobriety. I love you all. I love my homework, homework and congratulations to the celebrants. Thank you.